One Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. Well, good morning, wonderful One Church Park District family. I hope you're having an awesome, awesome day wherever you're at, whether you're joining us live today on Sunday or maybe you're tuning in later. Uh, it is an honor to get to speak to you today. And uh, even as I am speaking uh, to you digitally, I just want you to know my heart is with you. And I hope our hearts are together uh, today. And uh, we are so, so blessed that we can join together in this way. I know some of you may be in house church today. Maybe some of you are uh, at home with your family. I hope wherever you're at that you have taken a few moments in prayer, in worship, just to tune your heart into the presence of God this morning as we prepare for the Word. And if you have your Bible, you can grab it and turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 5. While you're turning there, I'll just mention, uh, of course, we are continuing in this rhythm that we have found ourselves in, a temporary rhythm, uh, that we are gathering bi-weekly uh, all together as a church and then off weeks uh, in house church, although some of our house churches may be taking the month of August off. Uh, but it is an awesome uh, moment that we find ourselves in, not because this is where we are permanently, but because this rhythm is leading us towards the great plan that God has for us. As you all know, we purchased a building and are so excited uh, to be able to be moving towards that. In fact, even this week, we've had a uh, work day that we are preparing that place, preparing uh, to be in that place. Uh, but the next two Sundays, we're going to be together at the Winter Park Community Center. That's the last Sunday in August, the first Sunday in September. And so that's kind of a break from our routine. So I hope you will be with us. Uh, I hope that you are remembering that, that you've marked it on your calendar, and that you will plan to join us. And also, I'd love to encourage you to bring somebody along. Uh, man, last Sunday, we just had a great time of worship, experienced the presence of God together. And I, I just, I can't tell you, there's nothing like being in that place together and experiencing the presence of God. So I hope you'll join us there for the next two Sundays. And also, uh, next month, we're going to be kicking off a new season of House Church. Um, and we're so excited for that. So I, I want to invite you to join us for a House Church Vision Night that we're going to be having in the next few weeks. Uh, we're still working out the details on the time, the location of that, but I want to just put that in your brain right now. Whether you've been leading a house church, whether you uh, would like to lead a house church, maybe you're just passionate about community, building community, you love that aspect of church, I want to invite you to plan to join us. Again, we'll be sharing the details of that, but I want to just put that in your brain right now, in your mind, to be uh, expectant, looking forward to that, and we'll be sharing more information. Well, if you have your Bible today, Matthew chapter 5, and uh, we are in a series that we're calling Counter Culture, and I've shared with you that you know, as we are preparing the place, this building that will be our home as a church, a communal home that we will call the open house, uh, I believe God is even more importantly, God's preparing a people, that God is forming us into 
the people that he's called us to be, not people that are just like the world, not people that are just, uh, you know, rooted in our own natural identity, but a people that are really a counterculture to the world around us, a people that will become magnetic to the world around us. And so there is, I believe, no greater place to look uh, to understand what it means to be that counterculture, uh, kingdom culture people than the Sermon on the Mount. And so we are making our way through the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, next Sunday, Pastor Nate is going to be bringing an incredible word. I'm telling you, don't miss it. He is a man of incredible wisdom. And so I want to encourage you, plan to be there next Sunday. But uh, as we are online today, I want to take a moment just to kind of dig a little deeper in what we started last Sunday in perhaps what is one of the most power-packed passages of Scripture in the whole Bible. Uh, it is a passage that most of us are familiar with, but too often uh, we may be over-familiar. We may be so familiar that we've actually missed the significance of this passage that has come to be called the Beatitudes. And so I want to pick up today, and I want to review, and I want to uh, dig deeper in what we shared last Sunday. And I, I called the message last Sunday, uh, we're not in Kansas anymore. We're not in Kansas anymore. That's a, a line from the Wizard of Oz. Dorothy said to her little dog, Toto, uh, we're not in Kansas anymore. Whether you have a dog, whether you're a dog person or not, I think that's a reality that God wants us to understand, that we have, we have entered into a new realm. We've entered into a new reality, not the Oz and the land of Oz, but life in the kingdom of God, life with God in charge. And it changes everything in life. And so I want to look at this passage today, Matthew chapter 5. We'll read verses 1 to 2 and down to verse 12. It says this, And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain. And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Notice his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Would you pray with me, me today? Father, we thank you for this time that we're able to be together to come around your word. And Father, I pray that, Lord, even more than my words, God, we would hear your words today. I pray, Lord, that even as we have read this today, God, let it come alive in our hearts today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, this passage is, like I said, probably familiar to most, if not all of you, if you've been in church for any period of time. 
you've probably heard this passage. Of course, if you were with us last Sunday, uh, you've heard this passage. But the reality is that for many of us, we've heard this passage, but never really taken the time to ask, what does this mean? What are you saying? God, what are you saying to me through this? And for many of us, when we read this passage, we kind of think this is a list of virtues. I guess I'm supposed to be these things. I guess I'm supposed to become poor in spirit. I guess I should mourn. I don't really want to mourn. I don't really like to mourn, but I guess I need to mourn. And maybe I need to be persecuted too. I guess I better go try to get persecuted. Well, uh, certainly there are some things in this passage that are good things, but ultimately, I want you to understand that this is not a list of things that we are to become. This is a list of the, the reality of life that many of us find ourselves in. We, we, we can all find ourselves in a moment where we, we are hungry for righteousness because we don't have any of our own. Uh, maybe we found ourselves uh, continuing in a pattern of sin, or maybe we just feel guilt over our past. We're hungry for righteousness. We find ourselves, perhaps you find yourself today in a place of mourning, not because God is bringing that into your life, but because it's just the reality of the world that we live in. Of course, today, and many of us are aware, we're probably all aware of the, the, the heaviness of what's happening around the world in Afghanistan and this over this week of so many people are finding themselves under the tyrannical rule of the Taliban or perhaps the, the brokenness of the people in Haiti that, are, that have found themselves not only in political unrest but now uh, suffering once again from an earthquake and they're mourning. And I want you to see that this is the reality of life. This is the reality of the world that we live in, that there is mourning and there is conflict that requires peacemaking and there is moments where we are persecuted for righteousness sake. But into that reality comes the incredible message, the incredible good news of the gospel, the incredible words of Jesus, blessed, blessed. And in fact, nine times in the verse that we read, Jesus is pronouncing blessing, not dependent upon our actions, but even in the middle of these circumstances of life that may not be things we would choose, may not be things that we would want, but it may be the place we find ourselves in. And into that place, Jesus's pronouncement of blessing comes. And I want you to understand today that that is the good news of the gospel. That word blessed or blessing is almost a little, uh, a, a little microcosm of the story that Jesus came to fulfill, that he came to bring blessing back to humanity. You see, if you know the story of the Bible, you know from the very beginning, God's intention was for humankind, for mankind to live a blessed life. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 and into 28, that God made man, male and female, he made them. Then God blessed them. He blessed them. That word here in the New Testament, as Jesus is speaking, is the word makarios, I taught you that word last week. Let's say it together again. Makarios. I hope you've been using that word, thinking of that word this week. Makarios. That was 
the first word. That was the first pronouncement. That was the first experience of mankind. God blessed them. Why? Not because of their merit, not because of their goodness, but because of God's goodness. The reason that God blesses us is not because we are good, but because He is good. The the blessing of God is a projection of God's goodness onto His creation. God blessed them. But if you know the story of the Bible, you know it wasn't long before mankind turned away from God. They, They wanted the good life, but they did not want to live under God's rule. And ultimately, they came under the curse. And that's why we find ourselves in this broken world that we live in. Because mankind has turned away from God, turned away from God's rule and God's uh, authority over our lives. We want to do it our way. In the words of Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. Well, like I often say, how's that working for you? And we, if you know the story of the Bible, you know that that curse came. But God was not content to leave mankind in that condition. He had a blessing strategy already up his sleeve. The Bible says in the book of Genesis chapter 12 that God chose a man, Abram, and he blessed him. He he released his goodness upon his life. And he said to him, Abram, I'm going to bless you. And through your family, through your descendants, the whole world will be blessed. And ultimately that was fulfilled through the, the son of Abraham, Jesus Christ. And the Bible says in the book, the book of Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. In fact, if you have your Bible, it's worth turning to. Galatians 3.13 says that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. That is the good news of the gospel. Jesus is proclaiming here what he would accomplish on the cross, what he would demonstrate through the empty tomb, that through his sacrifice, God's intention for blessing has been restored to our lives. And I want you to know that today, God's plan for you is good. God's purpose for you is good. God's future for you is good. We live in a broken world, but through Jesus Christ, we can be rescued. We can be redeemed out of the brokenness of our world and brought into a life of blessing. Now, I know maybe some of you hear that and maybe you think blessing, well, that means I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drive a fancy sports car. I'm going to live in Beverly Hills and, you know, maybe you will. I, I don't know, but I want you to know that that's actually not what God is referring to. God cares about our material needs. Jesus will say later that he, our, our Father knows that we need all of those things. But the blessed life is actually much deeper than just material blessing. You can have all of the wealth and all of the stuff in the world and still not live blessed. The blessed life is actually a condition of our spirit that will overflow into our soul and manifest in our body to transform the world around us. That is the good news of the gospel, that Jesus is restoring the blessing of God to humanity.
Now, I shared with you last week that out of this passage, you know, there is nothing actually that Jesus tells us to do. There are no commandments. There are no directives. There is simply the pronouncement of blessing. And we will see later that there is commandments that Jesus gives us, but it all flows out of the reality that he came to redeem us from the curse and restore us back to the blessed life, the life that God has intended for us, the life that we long for. And that's the life that God wants us as a community to live, a counterculture life that in a world that is filled with bad news, in a world that is filled with pain and suffering, that we would be people that are living the blessed life under the rule of Jesus Christ. So how do we respond to that? If Jesus didn't give us any directives, any instructions, what do we do? Well, I shared with you last week three things, and I want to just kind of drill down on those things a little bit more today. The first thing that I shared with you that we need to do is that we have to receive it. It, When there is that pronouncement, there must be the reception of it. In order to experience the blessing of God, it must be received. Well, how do we receive it? The Bible tells us in the passage I read a couple minutes ago, Galatians 3, verse 13 through 14, that the blessing of Abraham has come upon us, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So the way we receive the blessing of God is by faith. It's by faith faith. And, you know, sometimes and the Bible says this, that, that faith is the gift of God. It's not our effort. It's not our earning it. It's not our trying harder to get it. It is believing it and receiving it, that God wants to give good things for us, that God has redeemed us from the curse of the law, that we are, are now living the blessed life. And the way that we receive that is by faith, but faith does not happen in a vacuum. Faith doesn't happen in a vacuum. The Bible says this, that faith, uh, that that, that hearing the word of God produces faith. And so the way we we receive God's blessing, if we want to live this blessed life, the way we receive it is that we've got to position ourselves to hear the word of God. You know, I, I like to use the illustration of from football of a wide receiver. And I'm on thin ice when I start talking about sports analogies because my knowledge is fairly limited. But I do know in football that there is a position on the football team that's a receiver or a wide receiver. And that person's responsibility is to, their, their objective is to get the football. And so in order to get the football, they've got to get into position They've got to position themselves in a place where they can be open. And when that football comes to them, they've got to receive it. Now, you can have the best quarterback in the world, whoever your opinion is of who that would be. You can have the best quarterback in the world. If you think that's Tom Brady, you can have Tom Brady, and he can put that ball in just the right place. But if the receiver is not ready to receive... If he is not in position, he cannot receive. And the same is true for us when it comes to the good news that God wants to bless us. 
Oftentimes we miss out on the blessing because we've not positioned ourselves in the place of faith to receive the word of God. What does that mean? Practically speaking, it means that we need to get into the place where we can hear, where we can expose ourselves to the good news of the gospel, that God wants to bless you. That's why it's so important that, that when we have our gatherings, that we come and, and not just come physically, but we come with expectation. We come ready to receive from God. We come ready to hear the good news of the gospel. And, and you know, practically speaking, that's why I always encourage you to bring your Bible uh, because you want to hear, not from me, you want to hear from God. The Apostle Paul encourages people and he affirms their faith. He says that you received the word of God as it was, in fact, the word of God and not the word of man. In other words, there was a recognition, there was an expectation that when I hear this word, this is not just Justin's words or Paul's words, the Apostle Paul's words or Nate's words. This is God's word coming to me. And so I want to receive it by faith. That's why it's so important that we hear the Word of God, not just in our gatherings, but even online, that you are tuning in, that you are exposing yourself, that you're positioning yourself in the place where you can hear the Word of God, not just on Sundays, but throughout the week. Every day, we need to position ourselves to receive this wonderful good news of God's Word. You know, we are exposed to all kinds of news. You turn on social media, you're exposed to, uh, you know, all of the opinions of the world. You turn on your favorite news station, you're exposed to all of the bad news in the world. And I'm not saying that we should ignore those things or devalue that reality, but I believe that we should that we should elevate the importance, elevate the good news of God's word. So number one, we need to receive it. That means we need to get in position. We need to hear it by faith, be ready to receive. Number two, uh, I shared with you that we need to repent. We need to repent. In fact, that was the words that preceded all of Jesus's teaching. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That word repent means to have a change of mind that results in a change of life, a change of thought that results in a change of action. And that doesn't mean that we should just repent of sin, although that is, the, uh, that is essential. But the life of a believer is actually a life of repentance in every area. It's not just turning from sin. It's turning to God's plan and God's purpose for our lives. That means that in order to experience this blessed life, it's not good enough just to hear it, but we have to meditate on the word so that there can be a transformation in our thinking. The Apostle Paul says it this way in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, don't be conformed to the pattern of the world. Don't take on the culture of the world. Don't take on the negativity. Don't take on the fear. Don't take on the, the, the pride and arrogance. Don't take on the anger. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Paul is telling us that it's not enough just to hear it or even to receive it once, but 
but, but you've got to repent. You've got to change your thinking in order to experience life in the kingdom of God. In other words, there needs to be a transformation of our nature. You know, what's in you determines how you see the world around you. I'll give you this little illustration. Every day, there are hummingbirds that buzz all around, and they're looking for sweet nectar. And they every day, they seem to find that, um, that food that they're looking for, but, but also every day, there are vultures. And vultures don't find the nectar. Vulture, vultures find dead things. Why? Because it's their nature. And there's people that live the same way. They are perpetually finding dead things, finding dead, stinking things because it is in their nature. But when you come to Christ, there is a transformation of your nature and a transformation of your thinking that brings you out of dead things into life-giving things. You see, the world is filled with bad news that will make you negative, that will make you critical, that will make you fearful, that will make you anxious, that will make you angry. But God's Word is filled with good news that will make you positive, that will make you confident, that that will make you happy. That doesn't mean that we don't deal with the realities of life, but we are living from a different mindset. I shared with you last week the illustration of some of us that would have family that came out of the Great Depression. And even after the Great Depression, when food became abundant, where uh, money and jobs became plentiful, so oftentimes they lived still with a mindset of depression. The depression was over, but they still had a depression state of mind. There's many people that have perhaps put their faith in Jesus, they've received the gospel, but they have not repented. They have not had a transformation of their thinking, and so they have come into the kingdom, but they are still living with a mindset of the world. I've been shocked as I've seen the response of Christians over the last year and a half, and I don't say this with any criticism. We all deal with fear. We all deal with anxiety. We all deal with emotions. We are still human. We are still living in this world. But I've been shocked at how many times followers of Jesus have reacted to the circumstances of life in the very same way as the world around us. Why? Because we've not transformed our thinking. We have not repented. We're filled with fear. We're filled filled with anxiety. Again, I'm not minimizing the reality of life. I'm not minimizing the pain and suffering. But the problem is not that we are minimizing the pain, the suffering, the reality of life. Jesus has entered into that brokenness and he weeps over the brokenness of humanity. Uh, And the problem is not that we're minimizing it. I think the problem is that we've minimized the good news of the gospel. We've minimized the reality. We're maximizing the news that we hear around us on, on CNN or Fox News or whoever your news station of choice is. We we have turned up the volume of that news. Meanwhile, we've turned down the volume of the gospel. We've turned down the promises of God. We've turned down the good things that God 
is bringing into our lives. And so my point is this, it doesn't mean that we should ignore the realities of the world that we live in, but we need to turn up the volume on the good news of the gospel. We need to meditate on it. That's why God says to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, that this book of the law, which was at that time the old covenant, now the new covenant, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but in it you shall meditate day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, then you will have good success. Notice that Joshua's success flowed out of his mindset. It flowed out of his meditation. The life of blessing is available to us, but if we have a mindset that is set in a downward direction, that is set on earthly circumstances, on temporal circumstances, on circumstances of sickness, on circumstances of lack, on circumstances of pain and suffering. Again, we mourn over those things, but they are temporal. What is eternal is the good news of the gospel. What is eternal is God's provision for you. What is eternal is God's plan for you. And I want to encourage you, practically speaking, we need to meditate on the Word of God. We need to meditate on it. We need to not just hear it once a week. That's like letting the ball come to you. You, you, you receive it and throw it down. No, you need to grab hold of it. You need to run with it. You need to, to, to fill your mind with it perpetually. On my phone, I've got a little Evernote file just filled with promises of God. And when I find myself in a place of fear and anxiety, I take time to meditate on it. What am I doing? I'm repenting. Literally, I'm transforming my mind. You know, in recent years, scientists have discovered what the Bible has actually told us to do, that we can have a transformation of our thinking. It's what scientists have come to call neuroplasticity. It, it, it literally means you can have a new brain by rewiring it with new information. And the good news of the gospel is filling us with good news that will give us good thoughts so that we can live the good life that God has intended. So we need to repent by meditating on Scripture. And lastly, we need to rejoice. If we want to live this good life, we need to rejoice that's what Jesus says in closing this passage. He says, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Now, he's speaking to people that find themselves in difficult circumstances, poor in spirit, mourning, persecuted, in conflict, in all of the challenges of life. But he is saying, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. That is an emotional state. And we can find ourselves in this practical life, but as we receive the good news of the gospel, we meditate on it, we change our mindset, it overflows into our emotions. You know, your emotions aren't formed in a vacuum. Just as faith is not formed in a vacuum, your emotions aren't formed in a vacuum. Your, your emotions are the result of the information input that you receive into your mind. And if you fill yourself with bad news, you're going to have a bad attitude. If you fill yourself with fearful things because you're perpetually hanging on every word, 
that comes out of the government, you're going to be filled with fear. I'm not saying we ignore it. I'm saying we don't let it dominate our state of mind. We don't look to that for our confidence, for our hope. We look to Jesus. And out of that place of receiving and meditating so that our mind becomes transformed, a repentant mind, we can have rejoicing. That's what the Apostle Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. He doesn't say rejoice in your circumstances. He doesn't say rejoice in this season. You may be in a season that doesn't warrant rejoicing. It may be a season that is filled with mourning, pain, that could lead you into fear. But he says rejoice in the Lord. And when you recognize that your circumstances don't determine your life, that Jesus determines your life, your faith is in Jesus, His Word is, is what determines your life, you will learn to rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward. That's what David understood when he said this in Psalm 45, My heart is overflowing with a good my heart is overflowing with a good theme. My tongue is like the pen of a ready writer. He's saying, I'm just ready to speak something good. I'm ready to say something good. Let me ask you this. When people run into you, what do they hear? Do they hear all the negativity of life? Do they hear all of the fear of the world that we live in? Or do they hear, yes, there is pain. Yes, I'm going through hard times. But God's goodness is overshadowing the, rea the, the, the temporary reality of life. I, I would have lost heart unless I'd seen the goodness of God in the land of the living. When the gospel comes into your life, it changes your mindset, it changes the way you see the world, and it, it overflows in gladness and rejoicing. That's the kind of culture that God wants us to be. A, a culture of blessing in a world of brokenness. A culture of rejoicing in a world of fear and anxiety. A culture of celebration, not because of the circumstances we find ourselves in, but because of the certainty of God's Word. And I pray today that that Word will penetrate our hearts. That Word of blessing, that Word uh, of good news that God has for every single one of you. Can I pray for you today? Father, I thank you, Lord, for this wonderful church, this wonderful community, God, that you are building. And Lord, I thank you that you are creating a counterculture in us. I thank you, Father, that although we live in a broken world, that, Father, we can live a blessed life. We can be a blessed people. We can have a mind filled with good news filled with positivity, filled with joy. Lord, not because of our circumstances, but in spite of our circumstances, because of the good news of the gospel. Father, I thank you today that you are a blesser. Jesus, I thank you today that you have purchased our redemption upon the cross. And God, I thank you today that through the Holy Spirit, that blessing is being applied into our lives through faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, church, thank you so much for joining me today. I pray you'll continue to take time to receive, uh, to repent, to meditate on the Word of God, and ultimately to rejoice in it.
I believe that's the good news that will transform the world around us. I hope you'll join us next Sunday. I can't wait to see you then at the Winter Park Community Center. Have a blessed, blessed week.